0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, church. It's an honor to be with all of you. It's great to see all the brothers and sisters from different nations, different colors. It's incredible to come around to this part of the world and know we have family it's amazing thank you for being here thank you for having us my name is Mufid. this is my lovely and beautiful wife Jessie and we we serve and lead the church in Beirut Lebanon and we help with other with other disciples to oversee the churches in different countries in the Middle East Uh, it's been great Uh, I have been a disciple since 97 And my wife, since 99, actually two days ago was her spiritual birthday. And uh, we have two children, Andrew, he is uh, 13, and Abigail, Abby, she is 11. Uh, They are back there. The church is really taking care of them there. So we're just fired up to be here, to be able to share with you the good news and all the challenges that's back there. You know, we bring you greetings from all the churches, but the most thing we bring is gratitude from every single soul saved out there just to see the good news from Mexico and knowing that all of you sacrifice and pray and give to Mexico and to the Middle East it's just amazing when you give to see that what you're giving is making a difference that what you're giving is saving souls is saving families is saving marriages is changing people's life we're so grateful I know how how much people work hard here but still you give generously. I was talking to my wife today, I goes like, since 94, the church was planted in Beirut, and I know the giving and the mission team that went back there saved my life, saved her life, made a difference. Thank you so much, really appreciate this.
1: Greetings from the Middle East, from the sisters from the Middle East. where Jesus walked, but Satan destroyed. Uh, just want to, like Mufid said, I want to thank you with all my heart. And we are praying that we make it a point that your labor is not in vain. That I know you've been sacrificing a lot. But we want you to know that you have strong sisters. They are fighting for God. They are sharing their faith. They are saving other women, and they dream. Even though they dream in a place where you can't really dream, but they are a big dreamers because they imitate Jesus.
0: Amen. Thank you. Uh, what we're going to show now is a small video that shows uh, news from the Middle East. Actually, it's going to show the dark side and the light. It's going to show what the church is going, doing there, and actually what Satan is doing there. Uh, there's uh, different countries in the Middle East. Every country have different challenge. It's completely different. So you're going to see uh, 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 tough pictures that shows really what Satan is doing there. But in the same time, we're going to show you the other side. So let's watch the video, and then we'll share the word of God with you. This is where we come from it's it's really hard sometimes you know when you see like a Yemen church or Syria Kurdish church actually I'll be sharing about the Syria this is the picture you just saw in the video this church started we planted the church in 2013 in the beginning of 2013 exactly when the war is there the Isis war is there and it's really challenging you know to have a Kurdish Church of Christ which they are all from a Muslim background. Uh, this is something, it's not something easy to do out there. It's against the law, it's very dangerous. We have the, the brother and the sister there, they started a church, he was converted in 98, and he said, you know what, I studied the Bible with my wife, she's a disciple. He called me to 11. he goes, I wanna start a church even in these tough times. And you know, having the Kurdish nation or the Kurdish people fighting ISIS there they, they, they find out, you know what? We're fighting them, but we don't want to believe like them. We want to just turn to Christ. And now so many people there turning to Christ. This church now, we have 10 disciples. Uh, the city where they're at, it's completely surrounded by ISIS. They have no food supplies. They live in shelters every day. But they have incredible faith for the Lord, and they are really baptizing people. So please be praying for this church. They need all the encouragement out there. You know, the... Uh, The uh, sad news is we have this brother and his daughter, uh, she's campus. They were converted in this church, and uh, they have a family of three children. And he he couldn't take it anymore to stay living there. He said, you know what, I'm going to immigrate to Europe. I'm going to find a good job, try to get my family out of there. So he sold some things he had, took a boat ride. And you know, when you don't have much money, you take a small boat ride. And very few make it through these boat rides. Uh, We lost our brother and sister moving, just trying to go out from Syria to to Europe. They died last year from the church in Syria. It's so sad just what's going on there. Um, This is actually, uh, we converted, when you see the picture and we see a church in Yemen, it's the same story. You know, those are locals uh, that, it's against the law for them to become Christians. We have 30 disciples now. There's a civil war going in Yemen. They are scattered there in Yemen. We're in touch with them hardly, but they are really fighting for their faith. He became a disciple. He had three children. His wife started studying the Bible, and her parents didn't agree on this. And she continued studying the Bible. They burned her to death. She stayed two weeks in the hospital. We couldn't save her. Her husband is deported out of the country. He lives now in our church in Egypt. This is some of the stories that we face in the churches back there. Honestly, what I will be speaking about today from the word of God, I'm going to be speaking about unity. You know, unity is something that has always been there. It's a joy for God's heart to see his saints united to see the church united and it's a joy for satan's heart to see the church disunited from the beginning from adam and eve he wanted to disunite them all the time you go to the first century church you read the scriptures as we're going to read today in philippians you see the battle is on unity our unity our unity with each other our unity with god this has always been the battle. Back there in the Middle East, in the churches, so many times we're fighting these fights that we're not supposed to fight. we should supposed to fight the war with Satan. And you just, you know, he's just wasting our time. He's just, you know, I was speaking in Coexist in the Reality 16. I said, you know what? We are just wasting our time on, on little issues. And, and I, I hear the, the stories of this unity here just for politics. You know, like who's running, who's going to be president, who cares? You know what? It's the same thing, the same thing back there. You know, we just, so many times, we just fight for some issues. And you know what? We are wasting the time, but Satan is not wasting his time. He's changing the world around us. And you know, so many things I tell my wife, if one day we were supposed to, you know, be thrown out of our country, you know, it's not, it's not something far, you know, it can happen any, any day. I was telling my wife, where do we go? Is there a place safe that we can go? How it's looking, brothers and sisters, it's not, it's not safe anywhere in the world. It's changing. The world is changing. There's no coexisting. You know, it's, And we are just wasting our time battling our brothers and sisters. So that's why the issue of unity, and Paul spoke to the church. I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2. And it's in verse in verse 1 and Paul here is really addressing the church that he can see Satan is disuniting he can see Satan is destroying and he goes let me tell you how important it is unity let me share with you what we can do to really unite the church he goes therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. You know, Paul, he's like, please make my joy complete. Make the joy of God and Christ complete. How? It's simple. Sometimes we complicate it, but it's very simple. He goes by being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know, that's that's the advice. Just have the mindset of Jesus and you will find the unity. You know, when we all have the same mindset, uh, mindset of Jesus, we will all have the same mindset. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in the heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God, the Father. You know, and here I, you know, going through this advice, going through this, you know, like Paul, it's on his heart. It breaks his heart to see the saints and the church disunited. And he goes, you know, I just want you to look at Christ. And so many times we forget when we're fighting, we forget to look at Christ. Christ. And you know, what I came up with these verses, I came up with a new beatitude, blessed, blessed are the bankrupt because they will be rich. You know, that logic doesn't work with the world. You come to a businessman in the world, he goes like, you know what, if you're bankrupt, you will be rich. It doesn't work. And you know what, everything in the Bible is not the wisdom of human and men. It contradicts our wisdom. It contradicts the way we think. It's not logical, but it's godly. So, brothers and sisters, you know, when I am bankrupt, this is the time when I will feel rich. But rich from who? And this is what the Scriptures speaks here. You know, in Revelation, you all know the church back there in Revelation, in Ephesians Revelation 3.17, Church of Ephesians, you say, and that's, and that's what they were saying. They were so rich. I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You know, when you, when you feel as a disciple, you know, I'm rich. I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm in control. This is the only minute where God come and tell you, but you don't know. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked you know this is the minute when he comes to the church like you know what you think you make it you made it no there's still a long way you know the minute we think we're like we graduated you know in Arabic a disciple is a student when you translate it it becomes a student and you know a student will keep learning that's in the attitude attitude The minute you say, you know what? I'm not a student anymore. I have been around in the church for 30, 40 years. I'm graduating now. Let me tell you, brother and sister, if you announce that, then you need to go to heaven. (laughs) So can you dare to say this? That's graduation in, 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 in the church. You know, and the incredible verse in Matthew 5, And verse 6, he goes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Wow. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for righteousness. Imagine you say, I'm rich in righteousness. I am full in righteousness. God is going to look at you and say, you poor. You're blind. You don't know what you're saying. And this is where he will empty you. And humble you and it's so many times that's what I went through you know we come from a Middle Eastern background if you don't know Middle Eastern let me tell you we are very prideful and specifically Lebanese we think we are the wisest human on earth that's why we keep our country in civil war always that's wise it's crazy and so many times I come from a background where I'm independent, I'm in control, I believe I have a lot of talents, you know, I, I know it. I'm righteous, God. I'm rich. And this is when the only time that God will come and tell me, you know what? You're poor, you're naked, just, he humbles me. Brings me back to my knees to really connect to him. I'm hungry, God. You know, when I say I'm hungry and I'm thirsty, I'm bankrupt. Of righteousness. This is the only minute where God will fill you. You know, uh, you look at this, a rich church is what? It's a united church. You know, when, when the world look at the church united, loving each other, what do they see? They see the disciples of Christ. That's what they see. How do I build? How do I build unity in my church? Paul is so simply saying, you know, by imitating Christ' mind. You know, Christ being nothing, being human, when he knows that he is God, he is great, He is in control. But bankrupting himself from being, you know, I'm nothing. Humbled himself. This is what I want to imitate. If Jesus felt bankrupt, this is where the Bible says God exalted him. If Jesus was humbled even to the death on the cross, who am I to say I'm rich and I'm in control? You know what? Uh, Looking at this picture, be bankrupt. And Paul talked about love in the church. I'm not going to say be rich in love in the church. Brothers and sisters, be bankrupt in love. You know, uh, the couple here, they became a disciple last year. Also, the single tall brother there, he became a disciple last year. And one of the things, this couple, they came first time to church last year into our camp we have a summer camp and they attended the camp they they were new there they heard the lesson and then in the end of the camp before they leave tony walks up to me he goes and he's crying that's the first time he talked to me he's crying he goes we're getting a divorce they have two little kids my marriage is broken And you know, the minute he announced this bankruptcy of just the connection in his marriage, bankrupt in love towards his wife, I looked at him and I said, you know what? Deep down in my heart, I knew this guy will be filled. This guy will make it. They became disciples. They now help with the the marriage ministry and they are doing great. It's just amazing. You know... When it comes to love, you know, when you pray, God, teach me love. You know what God does? I don't know if you have it here, but I believe everywhere, every church in the world, there's always a brother that you can't love. That's right. There's always a sister that, you know what? I can't take her. It's amazing how God works. You know, I ask myself sometimes, I have the same situation. I have a brother back there for 13 years. I need to humble myself every day and say i'm bankrupt of loving him god help me to love him and it's hard and you know sometimes i get like god i pray that i can love him more i pray that i have more love why do you put somebody in the church who's so hard to love (laughs) you know and then one day i got it you know brothers and sisters it's a blessing to have a brother and sister you can't love in a church you know why because it keeps reminding you you're bankrupt of love you need to keep loving that's the only way I grow that's the only way (laughs) be bankrupt in your faith this is a sister she became a disciple six years ago she's a mother of special need he's autistic with a blue shirt t-shirt and his name is Kurt she have a, a kale and now she have a new baby Zoe she became a disciple six years ago. She's from a Jehovah's uh, Witness background. She's an incredible sister. She helps the special need ministry in Lebanon. And she has really changed. And her husband comes from a, uh, an Orthodox church, very religious. He's very rich. He is in control of his relationship with God. But he saw the change in his wife and he liked the change. It's better. You know, they were getting divorced. Now they are better. So he started coming with her to church. But for six years, he's coming, he's supportive, but you know what, he knows it all. He knows how to live for God, you know? And then one day he came up to me, he goes, you know, I, I don't like it when so many people talk bad about Christ and they hate Christ all around this area, and it, it just hurt me. But one day I was thinking, the way I'm living, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm being a bad example and a bad ambassador. And you know, people, when they look at me, they will not be inspired to see Christ in me. And he goes, "You well, what I don't feel the connection with God. I'm bankrupt with my relationship with God. Even I don't feel the connection with my wife. I know she's changed. She have, she's really doing a lot, but I don't feel that. And you know what? And it's, it's, it's amazing just the way he, he uh, you know, when, when you feel this bankrupt, this is when God will fills you. And you know, here the, even having faith, his, his wife didn't give up. With a special need child, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. It's so hard just to see that you're doing it alone. But she kept feeling that I need to have more faith. So many times she would give up on that her husband becomes a disciple. But she always felt, I'm bankrupt of having faith for my husband. This is where she continued praying for him. This is actually his baptism picture. He became a disciple last year. They now, they lead now the special need ministry. We had a marriage retreat two weeks ago. They did their testimony and you should see the couples crying out there. It's amazing how God, you know, so many times, brothers and sisters, we need to remind ourselves we are not having faith enough to people in our life. You know, I can understand it's hard to share my faith where I come from. But I don't understand it's hard to share your faith where you're living, brothers and sisters. You know? Thank God you're living here. But you know what? We need to have more faith to the people in our life, to this nation, and to the Middle Eastern that we cannot reach out for them back there. You know what? You have all the right and all the law to protect you to reach out to them. Help us to change the world because we are the only hope of this world. Incredible three singles brothers. Actually, the guy with the Reebok, he's getting married in July. I think his sister is somewhere here. Be bankrupt in your prayers. You know, it's amazing, this story. These three brothers, they were raised in an orphanage together grow to become best friends. Allah, the one with the blue Reebok t-shirt, he became a disciple. He now actually leads the campus ministry back there in Beirut. But you know what? He kept praying for them. He kept the connection. He goes, I'm not praying enough. I'm bankrupt in my prayer for I need to keep praying for them. And you know the three of them are disciples now. It's amazing. Even one of them, his cousin became a disciple. And they are doing great. Brothers and sisters, you know, so many times, me and my wife, things would be going great in the church. And this is where when we become prideful, you know, we're in control. We know what we're doing. And this is where God comes. You know what? You need to feel more bankrupt in your prayers. Go back. Go on your knees and pray more. And, you know, this helped us so much back there in the Middle East to go back and connect with God. You know, I can share my faith. I can... I I can plant, I can water, but I don't know how to make things grow. It's only God. It's only His Spirit. I need to always feel I'm bankrupt. I'm not praying enough. God, help me to be rich in my prayer. This is where I I will be praying more. We need to pray. So many situations in the Middle East, we don't know what to do. The only thing is go back and pray and God will do it. Be bankrupt with your courage or in your courage. To see these pictures, these pictures need courage. The two groups who are baptizing someone, they are in our church back there in Yemen. They are locals that become disciples. We train them how to study the Bible and make disciples. And for you to have the courage to baptize someone back there, this is crime. This is not coexist, brothers and sisters. You don't feel it now, but it's coming. You will feel it soon. This is courage. They do it. They know it might custom their life, but they still do it. The brother there who is baptizing one in the Kurdish church in Syria, he will drive two hours to find a lake somewhere in nobody is there, where he can baptize someone. This is courage. I need to feel bankrupt in my courage. You know, it, it, so many times I would talk to some brothers and sisters while speaking here, me and my wife. And like, one of the sisters came up to see. how do you overcome fear when you share your faith? I said, you have fear here? Do you have fear to share your faith in USA? You know what? It's, it, brothers and sisters, we need to be more courageous. And the only way we can be is to remind ourselves that we are weak, we are afraid, we're bankrupt from courage that the first century church had with all the persecution they had that so many brothers and sisters in the Middle East have with all the persecution they had. We need to remind ourselves. You know, that's what we said in the Reality 16. If we are not the hope of this world, tell me who? Isis? You know, they have been there for 1,400 years. They are not new. It's a different name. That's it. This is my philosophy of being courageous. Look at my face. I look so strong. I look so secure. You know, I made this picture to feel strong. They are the tallest three brothers in church. And when I am with them, just the same thing when I'm with Steve, I feel the same thing. You know what was my challenge? having Steve come to Lebanon. You know what's the challenge now? He's up there preaching for the church, and the church look at him and look at his body. he goes like, "We want you to be like him.". Oh. Even my wife," she said, "I want you to be like him." So I'm working. I'm working, but I don't look like him. I can only use these brothers to look like him. (laughs) It's amazing. I don't want to forget to talk about humility because Paul mentioned it. He goes, you want unity in the church? Be bankrupt in your humility. And I told you, we can be prideful. We can be prideful and we can hurt each other in so many different ways. But I need to always remind myself, I am so poor, bankrupt in humility. Imagine you come and say, I'm rich in humility. (laughs) Excuse me. No one. You know what? I'm bankrupt. I need to work on my humility. It's easy when you're successful, especially in the world, when you're a good businessman, and you know everything is going great, and you come to church, and you know what? You know how to do it. It's easy for you to criticize. It's easy to, for you to say to the leader, you know what, I can do it better. So many times I tell, my, I tell some of those criticizing, I said, you know what, why don't you leave the church one month and then tell me what you, how things are going. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I don't know why God chose me. He's wiser than me, but I need to stay humble. So help me. Let us work together, not fight together. Be bankrupt in valuing others above yourself. It's so easy to be selfish. It's, it's naturally we are. A baby would be selfish just holding it to his toy. We are like this. But you know what? I need to always remind myself to value others. I'm bankrupt in valuing others above myself. I'm bankrupt in believing in others. I'm bankrupt in having ambitions for others. You know what? We need to believe. And I I was so encouraged to go around the church and to see all this new generation standing up and leading the church. I made it a point to to meet them, to get to know them. We need to believe. It's easy to be a one-man show. It's easy to lead and stay leading up there until you die on the stage. You know what? Let's give a chance to the new generation to change the world. I love this. Be bankrupt in, one, be in being in one in spirit and mind with others. You know, so many times it's amazing how we look at this. We all have the Holy Spirit, that's right. Let me tell you something. I think you know it, but I will remind you. The Spirit doesn't come with levels. There's no five star spirit, four star spirit, one star spirit. It's one spirit God's Spirit. You have become a disciple one week ago. You have the same spirit that I have. And God look at you as he look at me. It's not because I've been around for long or I have so many victories or baptized many people. I have a better spirit than you or a, or a higher level spirit than you. We're one in spirit. Let us remember this. This should lead us to be one in mind. Politics can divide us many little things can divide us. So many times it's silly things divide us. And you know what? It's a waste of time. My lovely wife. Well,
1: uh, I just want to share my testimony how I became a disciple. And it's... uh, I felt like overwhelmed with joy that it's the whole this week I've been sharing my testimony and it was my spiritual birthday. And I don't believe it's coincidence. I believe God made it happen like this. Uh, uh, I don't know, like many of you heard me talking, like I was raised in shelters more than 20 years. I don't know if you know what is shelter. It's a place where you cover from yourself so the bumps will not underground. And it was maybe one big like this stage here with hundreds of people sleeping on the floor. Not for one year, not two, not three, for many years. And honestly, we hardly could eat because it was a really, really bad war. One day we go to school, then another day we stay. I got so bitter. And honestly, I was... I wasn't protected from my family because, you know, they hardly can make it for us to eat. So we weren't protected. Too many things happened to me. And honestly, I doubted God's love. And I said, God, if he is really exists and he loves me, why this is happening to us? Why, you know, why I don't have future? I can't dream, you know. I don't know if I'm gonna survive survive tomorrow. And it was really hard for me to believe that God loves me. And being abused when I was a kid, and not for my dad, he didn't protect me. And I felt more that God doesn't love me. And when the war ended, like I was really like, I wanted, I wanted to do, I wanna be rich. I wanna be famous. I want people to know who I am, you know, I wanna exist because I felt for years as if we don't exist. And being ambitious, so really like I was successful in my life. I was working in advertising and public relations, and I started making a lot of money. Where I had a great career, I went out. And I went out with guys. I I was drinking, partying, doing everything, and I was searching for love. And I wasn't finding the love. You know, I was empty, like my brother shared. I was empty. And I thought, hmm, maybe if I make more money, I will be more happy. And I make more money, but I wasn't happy. Hmm, What every girl wants, we want to be married and have a family, right? And I met a nice guy. He was my ex-fiancé for six years. He was handsome, rich. We bought a house. (laughs) We bought a very expensive house. I had my wedding dress, everything ready. But you know what? I wasn't happy. Every night I used to cry. I don't know what's going on with me. And I still remember, and I said, God, if this is life, I don't want it. Because I thought I would be happy, but I'm not. And then my little brother invited me to church. And honestly, they were reaching out to my ex-fiance, not me, because they had no hope in me. (laughs) And I'm sure if you know me before, you know that. So we went there, and I saw the church, like, here, like singing and praying and I felt oh they are so sweet you know (laughs) but not for me because I was so attached to the world to where I am because you know I will never let go of this I will never let go of this after all these years I will never get let go of this and then the next day they invite me to church and they ask me to study the bible and I start studying the bible and I still remember every time they opened the bible with me i cried like crazy the discipleship study i'm like we are not saved and i knew that we are in a war it's more dangerous than the physical war and i was crying and i said whoa my family are not saved and i'm grateful that i didn't die you know and i was afraid i wanted them to finish the study with me honestly because I didn't want to die, and I'm not saved. And then, since study, I still remember when I confessed all my sins. Honestly, I felt like a baby. It was the first time I've been open and talking about my life and what happened to me and all the damage. And I felt free, like pure. And when study with me, the cross study, it was a turning point in my life. I remember I went home for 24 hours, reading my Bible and praying. And honestly, it was too hard for me to grasp the fact that God loves me. And he died for me. And while I was a sinner, like doing all the bad things, he died for me. And for me to feel this unconditional love, and I felt how I was stupid. I was searching love. I was begging people to love me. And then Jesus died for me. And honestly, I decided to give him my life, but it cost me everything. I lost my fiance, I lost my house, I had to leave my career because it wasn't honest. And then again from zero. <laughs> and I said, God, I still remember for seven days praying and fasting, like ah, uh, you know, I don't want to give up on this, Lord, after all these years. But then I said, Okay, I will do it, Lord. And I gave up everything. And honestly, for me, it was rubbish. It was nothing. And when I church for me was heaven. Honestly, it was heaven. But after two two years from me being a disciple, the church started not doing well. And the people they study with the Bible with me, they left. And all the heroes of faith, they left. And I felt like, what's going on here? You know, being a fighter, I felt like, no way. And then like Honestly, I thought, like, okay, maybe I should leave too. Then I remember I was praying and begging God. And I I heard, like, him talking to me, like, Jesse, all these years I waited for you. I believed in you, and I didn't give up on you. And now when I needed you, you want to leave? And I said, forgive me, Lord, you know forgive me and I I wanted being a fighter I wanted to fight for God's church I wanted to fight for my sisters there and they asked us to lead the church obviously in 2003 it was the best year right (laughs) and they said hang on there because no one has the time for you see what you're gonna do because everybody was busy and honestly God again and again is challenging me. We had to ask my brother to leave the church. And I was asking God why he's the one who brought me to church because he was living in sin and he didn't want to repent. And again, it was so hard for me to let go. And all my best friends, I had to ask them to leave the church. And it was really, really hard for me like to give up them to love God more than their friendship, and to love God more than my brother. And it was very hard for me to do that. And honestly, like, we let the church and things start doing well. And you know, like Mufid said, it's always you're going to have one person where you feel like it's a constant fight. And honestly, with this sisters, I tried to love her, to serve her, and do everything I can, but for 13 years, it didn't go well. Then I decided, you know, sisters, it's enough. I love her, I forgive her, I will hug her in church, and laugh for her, but that's it. And honestly, You know it's not right, right? And I start losing my peace. And I start losing my joy. And you know when you pray, there's something wrong inside. You know? But all what I was thinking is me, my hurt. I've been doing this a lot. And, you know, the peace, peace when there is no peace. Uh, And then I was reading... John 10.10, 10. the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I asked myself, Jesus said that Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What has Satan stolen from you, Jesse? You're not happy, you know, you're not happy. And I knew that, like Mufid talked, he, he wants to steal my unity with my sister. And I asked myself, why the unity thing? Because the Bible said few, the people who are saved, right? We are few. And he said, the harvest is, is plenty, but the workers are few. And we are few and we're battling too many things. And I figured out that I'm battling my sinful nature. I'm battling my life trap, my insecurity. I'm battling like, my, my, for my marriage. I'm battling for my kids. I'm battling for my pride, for my impurity. And I'm battling all this battle. And I look at my sister, and I don't like the way she's treating me. And I start battling my sister. I don't like the way you're treating me. I don't like the way you talk bad about me. And then she's battling me. I don't like the way you lead. Why you are leading not me? And we start battling est- each other. And Satan is stealing my joy. And Satan is stealing my faith. And Satan is stealing our our sisters in the church. And Satan is stealing my kids and why we are battling. And Jesus was yelling at me, Jesse, stop it. Stop it. You are in the wrong battle. You need your sister. But God, don't you see? I know. But you need her. God, she hurts me. She's always on me. Lord, I know. I know that you're going to do stupid things. I know you're going to sin. But you need each other. Lord, please, don't you see her? Jesse, you need her. And then you know, in a battle, someone needs to die, right? And I said, not me, Lord. She needs to die. <laughs> Either her, I did that for 13 years and it's enough. And then Jesus said to me, Jesse, do you know who I am? I am the creator and I washed your feet. Do you know who I am? And I died for you. And trust me, this is the only way you will make it. You will not make it. This is the only way way. And then I read in John if you remain faithful even when facing death I will give you the crown of life. And honestly that's what kept me and helps me to die. And encourage me like one day I will see Jesus. And I will spend my eternity with him. And when he sees me with my sisters He will clap. He will say good and faithful servant. He will not tell me like, you were prideful. You were insecure. He said, you made it. Amen. And this is grace. And it's the first time, honestly, I got grace. That I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. But we need each other. And when we make it, we will get the crown. You know, sisters, it's worth it.
0: It's worth it.
1: <laughs> and then I read in Revelation two, and I will give you I will give to each one each one of you a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. This stone was the invitation that your name is written. Your name is written in heaven. And God said, I will give you a stone where your name will be, will be in heaven. But I can't get this stone unless I get rid of the stone of my life. I get rid of the impurity, of the pride, of the insecurity. <laughs> then I will be able to get this stone. And trust me. Sister, it's worth it.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, whenever she shares her testimony and she comes to that part when she says, I lost my ex, I would say, amen. (laughs) That's my sin. I'm sorry. You know, it's it's a funny story. I studied the Bible with him. And each time we come to church to share the good news about him, then the brothers go, so did you convince him to leave? Like, no, no, no. You know, so that's my sin, but he, he didn't make it. I'm sorry. I'm happy. <laughs> brothers and sisters, blessed are the bankrupt because they will be exalted. They will be filled. They will be rich. Thank you so much.